welcome to a special bonus edition Pink and Podcast to see out 2019, to complete the decade of course. Uh, myself, Dave Freezer, sat alongside Paddy Davitt as ever in the wake of a 2-2 home draw with Tottenham that was packed full of drama as ever with a Norwich City game and uh, we just it's a busy time of year, we know you guys don't have much time, we don't either but we've got another game coming up very quickly on New Year's Day on uh, here again against Crystal Palace, so we thought we'd just have a uh, a quick post mortem of of this one. Um, Pad, your your initial reaction? Does it feel like uh, in the end it, it is a positive result? Oh, it's definitely a positive result, Dave. But I mean, we're sat here now in the in the bowels of Car Road, where the managers deliver their post match press conferences, and um, yeah, both both Jose Mourinho and Daniel Farker's demeanour was kind of almost it was the one that got away. So they both felt, you know. In that regard, probably a draw was a fair result. But uh, for me, I looked up at the clock at the Barclay end, about 70 minutes gone. Norwich were 2-1 up, I think, at that point. Unless I've got me timings. Yeah, they were, weren't they? 2-1 up. Um, and I just thought, this could be a massive moment in Norwich's season at 20 minutes. If they'd have seen that out, they get the win. Can you imagine? You know, I mean, in terms of just the mechanics of the league table with the other results today, that have been, instead of six points from safety, they'd have been four points from safety. But, but to... The, the boost that they got to get a result um, after so many positive performances of late but not the results but then to f- get over the line get a result it had been full steam ahead for Palace bring on 2020 this is still doable so it didn't happen unfortunately we know anybody who was here or subsequently will see the highlights uh, that Tottenham got an equaliser Harry Kane penalty sadly sourced by another poor turnover from Norwich unfortunately uh, deep in the Tottenham half um, and that ultimately is the story of why Norwich are where they are in the table because in the key, key moments in these games when they've done so much good work at both ends of the pitch they make a poor decision or uh, they execute a poor piece of uh, skill um, and they get punished because in the Premier League against these type of players you will get punished and unfortunately on this occasion it was Tom Tribal um, got dispossessed uh, as I say in Tottenham's half two passes later Christoph Zimmerman's coming across to wipe out Harry Kane and he's not going to miss from the penalty spot so after Grant Hanley did his best to take out Ali as well <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah. I mean they, they try to but sadly we're now mulling over a 2-2 which in isolation is a fantastic performance yeah. and a result against the team as Daniel said in this very room uh, not that long ago a team who were in the Champions League final they've got an absolutely world class coach in Mourinho they've got some world class players and Norwich went toe to toe with them and, and deservedly got a point and could have been more um, but the reality is they're now dealing in the currency where they need wins if they're going to close that gap if they're going to pull off the great escape they need wins and that's why I think long-winded answer but yeah it does feel like a bit more of a defeat today even though so much positive play and ultimately another point but not not enough in terms of closing the gap which is kind of what it's been like recently isn't it but uh, the, the other big issue today once again yeah, VAR uh, the video assistant referee, Chris Kavanagh, sat at Stockley Park today, who was the referee at Villa Park, actually, on, on Boxing Day, which seems quite unusual for him to be involved in two Norwich games in quick succession. But um, a massive call, um, and Norwich have been one of the many teams now who have been caught out by a horrible, tiny little offside decision that requires these little lines to be drawn on a screen to work out whether somebody is offside. And... Yes, offside is not subjective. It is a decision, isn't it? You're either onside or offside. But it is incredibly frustrating and a huge, huge change to the game, particularly for supporters at the stadium. But even if you're not, for the players, it is a huge change in the game that a marginal, tiny little decision can be 
changed by a forensic examination of whether someone's offside on a screen by essentially by working it out using a computer everything else in VAR is clear and obvious errors but offside is not why is it not if the officials have made a clear and obvious error with an offside if the linesman has missed a big one which happens in football it happened before VAR fair enough overturn it but if you have to draw lines then it's not even remotely clear and obvious, is it? In in real time, we we weren't remotely sure whether he was onside or offside, were we? But he was coming back from an offside position. And just to clarify, this would have been Mario Vrancic setting up a goal to make it 2-0, to add to his goal, which had made it 1-0. He would have literally been the hero of the hour, wouldn't he? He would. And two points there. Um, in the, Again, in this very room, um, not that long ago, asked Daniel, what guidance were you given? Because there was a bit of confusion, was it? the offside when he was work, working team Puki working himself back onside or was it at the moment Mario Vrancic has clipped that ball and we've seen the line now on social media Daniel confirmed it was the latter so as you rightly said the other thing the microscopic elements that we're dealing with the freeze frames and the point Daniel made is that line definitively 100% drawn at the moment the ball leaves Mario Vrancic's foot nobody knows that's the problem mm. and and because it is so Yes, it should be black and white, but but in that broken down, minuscule, minutiae, a frame by frame, it isn't clear or obvious, and so it should have stay. It should stay with the on-field decision. And tellingly, how many Tottenham players or Tottenham's management reacted? They didn't. In contrast to when Jamal Lewis handled the ball in the second half, and that led indirectly to Ericsson. Uh, slotting that free kick and drawing Tottenham level. There was a lot of Tottenham players on that occasion who uh, were not quick, uh, sorry, were not slow to come forward and, and make sure that Kevin Friend knew that had been handball. You go, any, I, I defy anybody to go and have a look and see any Tottenham reaction when Pookie puts that ball in the net. They thought that was a fair goal. Yeah. Um, and as a result, you know, on the back of the two United penalties here, rightly or wrongly, whatever your point of view, but VAR in- interventions on that occasion, we had the Chris Basham red card here against Sheffield United, overturned by the, the referee's on-field decision was a red card. Not so, said the VAR people at Stockley Park. The Arsenal retaken penalty for Max Ahrens' again, fractional encroachment. As Daniel said, going back to that one, his actual lower body is outside the box, but his upper body is in the box. So, if we're now debating these elements of the game then it you know for me it's and it, and in a big moment in a big part of the season as you rightly say Daniel again referenced it you go in at half time 2-0 against these it's a different game and and, and possibly we're sitting here uh, and it's it's a footnote rather than again uh, too big a talking point and it, it is frustrating in the extreme that uh, we're still getting you know these kind of incidents this far into the rollout of this system it as I as I've written about and putting my pointers, you know, it's not even a working process a progress for me now. It's an irritant, um, and we all saw more to the point the patrons, the customers, the people who this game is all about, the the, the fans in this stadium today. Um, I think we've got a story uh, online. Um, an actual banner was unfurled, mm, yeah. uh, so go to pinkin.com, check that out. But irrespective of, of slogans, coming armed with slogans verbally. The, the volume of the anti-VAR chance tells you all you need to know. They're not having it, as Chrissy Wilder said here after the Sheffield United game. If they're not having it, how is it improving the product? 
yeah, I, we've not had the chance to sort of get through our social media. Yet. We're literally speaking in the in the wake of the game. You know, I've just been speaking to Grant Hanley and Mario Vrancic, and as you say, you've been speaking to the managers. But the, I have seen a tweet from Barkley and Norwich, which is one of the groups who've been responsible for the flags and obviously have done such great work on the atmosphere, uh, which was on show again tonight. And they sent me a picture, which um, is this banner during the second half. Um, I think it's a lower Barkley. I'm fairly sure it's lower Barkley. Um, and it says VIR is clearly and obviously not working. Put it in the bin. So that is that is pretty well clear and obvious what they're saying. And the chant once again was um, uh, it's not football anymore. That's the one that we heard. Yeah, there you go. You just pulled up a, a picture in front of us. So yeah, yeah. Decision, put it in the bin. Uh, it's, a, it's a well thought out banner, and I think that will um, travel far and wide. To be honest, um, and it won't be the last anti-VAR one we've seen, but. Um, we've probably covered that uh, enough. Um, Mario Vrancic, as we say, came into the team. First half, um, I thought he was really good, um, I, which worked out well for me because I was doing him as our player watch uh, this week, so go and check that out at pinkin.com. Um, he was one of the four changes that came into the team. Uh, he did have uh, about five minutes of treatment at the start of the second half, and he, um, as I said, just spoken to him after the game, and he showed us his tongue, and he's bitten it really heavily. It's almost sort of cut um, down the side of it, and he said that he couldn't breathe at first. Uh, he was um, quite... Um, concerned uh, he, he took a real he, he says he can't really remember the incident very well but he took a real whack to the stomach and I guess he was left winded essentially um, so he he didn't the second half he wasn't quite as influential was he but were you impressed certainly think that he'll be keeping his place against Palace oh yeah all day long I thought he was excellent um, in that first I mean and, and I mean, there was the goal, there was the assist that wasn't. But for me, there was this pass where he's basically been shoved, shoved over and he's going over just over the halfway line, off balance, and he's somehow with the outside of his left foot has clipped a ball diagonally to Onel Hernandez. Um, I mean, it just defied the laws of gravity, that. And then Onel <laughs> went on and, and had a chance. But uh, that, for me, encapsulate why the lad has to be in this Norwich midfield. And I don't don't care how you work him into there, uh, uh, what support you put around him, because we all know he's what he offers with the ball is not necessarily maybe what you get from him without the ball and there'll be times and opponents when you know you think he's not offering enough but when Norwich are looking to create something from midfield areas he is as good as they've got for me in the central part of the pitch and I don't think they've got the depth of squad or the quality of resource that you can leave him out now if he's I mean subject to you know you've mapped out there that he took quite a bang and I think that did really curtail is it you know with his influence in the second half yeah. allied to Tottenham obviously upping in the ante um so we'll we'll hope he pulls up okay and he's available. If he's available for Palace, he has to start for me because uh, we've seen here today, we saw the first half against Sheffield United, he makes things happen um, and there's not enough of those in this Norwich team. And at the risk of repeating myself, it's not draws that Norwich need to deal in now, it's wins and he could be the difference down the stretch to, uh, you know, tight games, a little bit of magic, um, maybe possibly a win or two and that could make the difference. So yeah, for me, um, compelling case for inclusion, inclusion today moving forward. Yeah, it was lovely to see him thumping one in. Uh, it was reminiscent of last season, wasn't it? Uh, I think uh, I, we're getting the Alex Neal-style curly finger from one of the uh, Norwich <laughs> City press officers, aren't we? Behind my back, I didn't see, so we better um, better wrap things up. But um, just finally, West Ham did lose to Leicester, so the gap has closed very slightly to to six points. Um, head over to pinkin.com for the, the full wrap, really. Paddy's point is Connor's report, everything that you uh, could possibly hope for after this game. But that brings an end to quite a lively 2019 had uh, have, a, have a quick look into your crystal ball yeah. I'm not going to ask you definitively because it's just impossible to tell isn't it but the one thing we can say is we end at 2020 we know that they're bottom of the table but I think we also know they're still in this fight don't we? oh definitely yeah um, and that 
that today was a performance that showed those players and Farker. I mean, it's it's all very well. Fans can keep believing. Media even can look at the glass half full rather than half empty. But ultimately, if they are to pull this off, those players have to keep believing. And that performance today wasn't the performance of a team who are going through the motions. You think the game's up, and and they don't have it within them as a collective uh, to pull this off. So that should give everybody outside the bubble huge confidence moving forward that um, they will still keep fighting. They might ultimately come up short, but uh, it won't be for want of trying. And you've seen again today that when they can knit it together, they have enough about them to pick up results. But unfortunately, they've backed themselves into such a corner now. As you say, 12 points from half the season is, is nowhere near good enough. In fact, all that leads you to is back to the Football League swiftly. So... Although there's a lot of positives, they still have plenty of work ahead. Um, but they're still in there and they're still fighting and that's all you can ask. Absolutely. Right, well, we will catch up with you guys uh, soon. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast throughout this year and, and for using uh, Pinkin.com and reading the EDP and all, all the things that we uh, that we offer you uh, during the, the Norwich City season. Um, we will probably catch up with you after the Preston game. It's such a busy spell this time of year, isn't it? So that will be the other side of Palace. Um, I'm sure we will have time to record a podcast on our long journey home from Lancashire that we cannot wait for. Um, the, the Palace game is going to completely shape uh, how strong Norwich or how seriously Norwich take that game as to whether they want to break or not but we will leave it there have a uh, very happy new year and we will see you 